0: Donald Trump had some interesting words about Bitcoin. John Deaton is running against Elizabeth Warren. The SEC is under fire. Ethereum is pumping. We have a lot to talk about today. It's myself and NLW, and this is the Friday Five. Let's go, folks. Let's go. what is up everybody i'm scott melker also known as the wolf of all streets before we get started please subscribe to the channel hit that like button i am in a major glitch over here so i didn't even hear the music play I'm having one of those days right now but hopefully it's working because to me i look like max headroom and i'm bouncing all around the screen and i don't know i'm gonna try to bring NLW on right now uh i think it's gonna work i hit add to the stage can you I hear can. me i can did I look glitchy? Did I look like I was a
1: dancing, no, you, or is it just you, oh. you? You look normal, just just on your well, end. Well, I
0: apologize that you're going to have to now edit this for uh, your show. Mm-hmm. Did a really good job here,
1: but listen. So we we
0: have to audible. We had a we have a bunch of stories obviously lined up for the Friday Five. We have you know uh, Texas companies doing the SEC, John Deaton and Elizabeth USDC on Tron. But I think we first have to just pivot here and Audible and talk about the fact that Donald Trump is talking about Bitcoin again. He said, it's taken on a life of its own. He says he's not a fan, obviously, of cryptocurrencies in the past, that he prefers the dollar. But he said, you probably have to do some regulation, but many people are embracing it. More and more, I'm seeing people wanting to pay Bitcoin. I can live with it one way or the other. He said, you know, we, we once again have someone saying that people are doing Bitcoin. And he's saying that he sees people wanting to pay Bitcoin, which I highly doubt. But hey, let's talk about it.
1: So uh, let's let's put it in context of, of the only other time that he's spoken about this, he tweeted very famously. I'm no fan of uh, Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Blah 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 blah. A couple things about that. Uh, One, it was right after Facebook announced Libra, and it was very clearly a shot across the bow of Libra wanting to do this sort of non-sovereign Mark Zuckerberg coin much more than it was about crypto. Uh, People widely assumed at the time that the tweet had been written, uh, at least in large concept by Steve Mnuchin, uh, then then Treasury Secretary, who obviously did have a gripe with the industry. It never really felt like, Trump had super conviction around this which was sort of affirmed by the fact that he's put out a couple of nft collections in the meantime uh and so i think that this was uh, always going to be an interesting question on how that position would evolve now that minuchin's nowhere near them it's you know a f- few years on this is definitely a softening it's a it's a sort of a walk back of the harshness of that stance, without a full embrace, uh, I, you know, it could be a political determination based on the fact that so many of the other Republicans in the field have been more proactive and and uh, and sort of excited about it. Um, I actually think that the the positioning of I'm noticing people want more of it. Is a pretty smart one politically, frankly, in the sense that it doesn't really it, it allows uh, uh, the politician saying that to look like they're responding to the will of the people, uh, which obviously makes it very different, uh, you know, from a kind of flip flopping position. But it's it's notable, it, you know, it's, it's it's an errant comment in some way. But the fact that you know it, it was chosen to be a topic of conversation, uh, I, I think, is 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 pretty significant.
0: Yeah, I think that this is probably some of the influence of Vivek Ramaswamy, obviously, who's been very pro-Bitcoin and is one of the potential vice presidential candidates for Trump. Like you said, I think that he's not really giving anything away here, but he's saying, whatever. And honestly, whatever is as pro-Bitcoin a platform as you could expect to get from either of the guys running and sets him massively apart from the Biden administration's platform of being aggressively anti Bitcoin. So this yep. is actually probably a pretty well planned tactical move to just say nothing as opposed to I'm against it, because right. that makes you without having to endorse it, without having to go out on a limb, you're basically making yourself the more pro Bitcoin candidate. It's all the sliding scale and relative to your opponent.
1: Yeah. Well and and the other thing is too is you know not to get too deep into the American political weeds, but for a, a fairly long time at this point, you know trump has dictated the 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 norms and shapes of the of the gop and sort of you know he is the party line and what this does is it basically gives cloud cover for republicans who care about this issue to continue caring about it and being loud about it without it interfering with or contradicting you know the the effective party leader so you know if you're a tom emmer or someone like that uh, who, by the way, has not necessarily had a great relationship with Trump historically. His whole candidacy for a speaker was basically destroyed by Trump. Um, this at least sort of signals that you can continue to do the thing that you're doing. So it's a good thing for, for pro-Bitcoin GOP can, uh, GOPers as well.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Let's dig in now to some anti-SEC sentiment, something that we love here. Now, this company is not huge. Texas crypto company sues SEC for overreach. <laughs> On digital assets, but it is nice to see that we have companies continuing to take the fight to the SEC, which is something that would have probably been heard of, uh, unheard of a year or two ago. This is Fort Worth-based company Legilex and lobbying group Crypto Freedom and Alliance of Texas, claiming the SEC has asserted jurisdiction over the industry without a clear statutory mandate. They're trying to launch a cryptocurrency platform called legit.exchange. And this goes back to the question of what the hell can and cannot we list on this exchange
1: yeah so i think the way to think about this is as the inverse uh prometheum so Promethium- Uh, in the crypto industry's estimation was effectively a plant exchange, not a real thing, that the SEC has used to try to argue that their stance of you can just come in and register is legitimate, right? They held them up as an example of you can get these special broker uh, licenses and they put them in front of Congress. Well, it turns out that they actually couldn't offer any of these assets Under the license that they got. And so that's created a whole, you know, kerfuffle. But uh, by and large, you know, obviously the Promethean people say this isn't the truth, but the crypto industry has, has been pretty, pretty, uh, consolidatedly believing that they are um, effectively just a, a plant. This is almost the reverse. This is a legal tactic organization. I mean, it's it's right there in the name. It's called Legit Exchange. This is a company that was created to make this challenge and to demonstrate a point. That doesn't make it not legit, by the way. This is a thing that, that happens in lots of different places. When there are unclear regula- regulations or there are regulations that want to be challenged, this is a tactic for getting a uh, you know, a decision that potentially can rise up the ranks of uh, all the way to the Supreme Court. It looks like uh, looks to many people like this is an attempt to uh, get a major questions doctrine conversation in front of the Supreme Court. Major questions doctrine is a uh, sort of relatively novel or new legal theory that basically says that when it comes to matters of economic importance, significant economic importance, uh, agencies can't just you know uh, assume that they have authority they have to be specifically mandated from congress so crypto companies have tried to argue in numerous cases that the sec doesn't have authority unless congress explicitly gives it to them this is an attempt to to kind of get that issue in in uh, in front of judges and and particularly in front of favorable judges the judge that they are uh, will hear this case initially in fort worth is uh, does not like government overreach let's put it that way so you know it's it's a it's a tactic this is a this is the the crypto industry Using and availing itself of the legal system to the full to the fullest extent possible in order to try to force the issue, and so that's what makes it significant. It's not significant because it's a you know big exchange. Uh, it is, I mean, it's literally, I mean, it's tongue in cheek. It's called it's legit nothing. dot exchange. I know uh, so it, it is. It is, a, it is a it is a legal strategy and 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 probably a smart one, honestly.
0: Yeah, and I think we should give honorable mentions, obviously, for both Coinbase and Kraken pushing. Back against the SEC once again this week, too. We didn't really have it in our list, but they're looking to get cases dismissed. It just seems that the SEC continues to be under fire. And it's amazing how much of a 180 reversal that is from the past when you just assume the SEC could do whatever they want and was always going to win they used to win they, 99% of their
1: cases <laughs> they've bitten off a lot i mean you're going after an entire industry all at once that's still well funded you know even in the depths of the bear market it had some some money so you know the, they really decided to test the limits of how many battles they could fight on how many fronts and this is the result
0: This is a big story. USDC stablecoin issuer Circle dumps Tron network TRX steady. Circle cited its risk management framework as part of the decision, among other factors. If you read into all of Circle's comments on this and USDC's comments, it's word salad for uh, regulatory compliance and risk management and assessing risk and all these things. This is a really big deal. Now, given USDC has a very small presence on Tron. A fraction of what's on Ethereum. But USDT, 51 billion of the 101 billion USDT is on the Tron network. As we've talked about before, it is the most popular network for people to make quick and cheap transactions on USDT uh, all over the world using stable coins. And it makes you question what Tether is going to do. They've said they won't confirm or deny if it's dropping USDT on Tron. But if they did, it would be huge. Also, you can't help but put on your tinfoil hat and start to think that this has something to do with a crackdown coming for Tron and Justin Sun.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, first of all, I don't think anyone saw this news and thought to themselves, wow, really? Tron, they're <laughs> dropping Tron? Like, it's, it's not surprising, right? This is a, a open questions. There's always been open questions. The the sort of, you know, the, the questions that surround this, the Sun Empire are, are, are you know, legendary and numerous at this point. Um the question, I think, is how much is this circle positioning, positioning relative to a future upcoming IPO, positioning relative to just trying to differentiate themselves as the you know the clean stable coin, as they're trying to kind of jockey for position uh, of regulatory favor, versus they know something specific. And I think that it's obviously totally possible that they've heard something specific, but it makes just as much sense that especially as such an insignificant part of the uh, of the overall usdc network that it looks like an easy way for them to clip off you know potentially a hanging chad that that could create questions in the future as well as just sort of bolster their uh, their bona fides as as sort of the, the clean one. Now, something we've talked about over the past, <clears throat> I don't know, month or so is how Tether has made this sort of interesting, not full pivot, but slight shift towards the U.S. government in terms of, you know, approachability and uh, and sort of interest in engagement. And um, perhaps this is a response to that from Circle of, again, trying to reinforce a difference between them, given exactly what you pointed out, Scott, that 51% of Tether is, uh, is issued on Tron.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the take I think that I've seen the most is one that you, you mentioned, obviously, it says it right here in the article. It could be part of a long-time realignment separating compliant and gray market crypto, right? If they're trying to be publicly listed, if they want to get in line with the United States government, the best way effectively for them to do that is just to differentiate from from USDT. Right. So it doesn't mean the USDT is doing anything wrong. It just means that they're basically losing nothing here to gain a political advantage or a regulatory advantage. I think that that's the correct take that you offered. Yep. Well, now I think we have the story of the week, in my opinion. Crypto attorney launches Senate bid against Elizabeth Warren listen, I've been talking to John Deaton about this for quite a while. I was really excited that he was going to do it. He moved from uh, he moved his address from Rhode Island to Massachusetts just to get that done, which irked Elizabeth Warren to no end, who called him a MAGA Republican who's backed by the political machine and the RNC when anyone with a brain knows he's literally the opposite. Nobody saw this guy coming. He's doing this of his own free will. He is doing it because he believes it's right, not because he wants to be a politician. He's doing it because he believes in term limits, which would be you know, against his personal interest if he actually won. And the crypto industry is coming in hard behind him. And what's really incredible as you dig into it is she is shaking in her shoes. Eleanor Tarrant uh, has been reporting on this pretty widely. She is going nuts asking for campaign donations, saying that they finally have a credible threat, trying to already discredit him She's really seemingly very scared because this is not something she's ever done when there's a Republican opponent coming in. She's basically shrugged them off,
1: yeah. so it's weird. Uh, like lo- long and short of it to me is is it's very weird her response. I think that there are two possible interpretations. One is the she's scared interpretation, which is reasonable just from a sheer money standpoint. You know, the the reality is is that, again, crypto punches above its weight class when it comes to political advocacy and issues, in part because it's got more capital than most industries to to push around when it matters. So, you know, there is a a, a realistic possibility that it is genuinely her being scared. The other possibility, I suppose, is that she's expounded so much uh, narrative capital on making crypto the boogeyman that this creates an opportunity for her to kind of complete that narrative for her followers that she is that you know uh, she's pretty entrenched at this point with the group of people that support her through thick and thin and so maybe this is just playing to her base. I don't know enough about you know the the, the specifics of the political situation to know, but it does surprise me how much she's tried to make this. Uh, I mean, she certainly turned him into a credible threat, whatever the reason is for for it.
0: And she did it in a matter of minutes. These emails yeah. were go were going out hours after he announced his bid. It really gave him a lot of fodder. It gave the news a lot of fodder. It seems like her best approach would have been just to lay yeah, silent and pretend that he was completely irrelevant. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know if it if it's fear. Or just an opportunity to raise more money. I mean, that's I, that was, way,
1: Yeah, it feels like it feels like maybe her uh, her war chest is not as deep as it uh, might once have been. You know, he
0: told me she had four million coming into when he filed that, uh, and I thought it was going to be much, much more than that. So yeah, that's, that's and, nothing. It, yeah, and there's also I, I can't vet that, but that was from his mouth when I spoke to him on Monday. And also, you know, people have this, I think, sentiment that Massachusetts would always remain blue. There's literally no way that she could lose. She's so deeply entrenched in the system. But Massachusetts has had multiple Republican uh, governors uh, in the past years. And one of them, now I can't remember his name, but they've been attempting to put him up against Elizabeth Warren for years. And he was projected to win every single time, but he works for like major league baseball or the NBA or something and loves his job and has no intention of switching over. But I do think she's more vulnerable than people are believing. And that even if this just riles up people who wouldn't have voted at all, assuming that she can't lose, I think this is a huge win. And just one, it was Charlie Baker. Yeah. As someone's saying in the contest, he works for the NCAA. See, I, I, I butchered that, but I knew that the context, but just the very fact that now we're going to have the narrative against Elizabeth Warren being constantly reiterated over and over and over on the news and pro crypto i think is a win regardless of what happens in the campaign
1: yeah i i mean it's there is nothing that the news loves more than a real fight story and they they just you know I mean, this becomes the perfect psychodrama for them to focus on. So it's it's a weird tactic. Um, I agree with you, by the way. But Massachusetts blue profile is very different than uh, than than I think some people would think. It's a you know kind of classic liberal stronghold, but in a sense of like, you know, you can imagine Kennedy running as a moderate, you know, Republican kind of a thing. So it's really just you know, it's not maggotory ter- ter- territory by any stretch of the imagination, but it's certainly uh you know the the thing is not handed to elizabeth warren forever let's put it that way
0: well she all i know is that she's gonna have a lot of restless nights and be working a hell of a lot harder over the next uh eight or nine months which i'm here for (laughs) yeah Love it. Yeah. Anything that makes your life a little more difficult, a little more stressful, I think is a is a good expenditure of my money. The next one, man, this is taking the world by storm. I actually interviewed Guy Young yesterday, who is the founder of Athena, just to figure out what the hell was going on with this platform. DeFi platform earning yield by shorting Ether attracts 300 million. Athena offers 27% annualized rewards to holders of its USDE stable coins, a yield that generates mostly by shorting Ether futures. I believe they main netted four or five days ago or 10 either way, they launched quickly over $300 The yields are exceptionally high, but it should be noted that those are rolling. They're based on the eight-hour funding rates, so it's not always going to be that way. But obviously, the minute that the crypto community hears 27% annualized rewards or algorithmic stablecoin, which they will argue that perhaps it isn't, they freak out and rightfully panic and start asking big questions. So I guess the first question here, and I have some insight, obviously, but my first question for you, does this reek of Luna, or is that just an unfair comparison because
1: of the general similarity? I mean, b- both is the short answer, right? Like it, it it reeks of Luna only insofar as seeing eye-popping numbers that are, even if they're, listen, the, this team has tried to make it clear that these numbers aren't guaranteed and there's lots of variability here and they're likely to come down over time. It doesn't matter. You see those numbers and it's it's a, it's an absolute trigger for the same sort of behavior that got people in a lot of problems last time. Um, the flip side is that the dynamics of it, the actual sort of mechanism is totally different, right? I, I think the most recent thing that I've seen is they're trying to push back on this sort of stablecoin, you know, moniker. I mean, this, this is a tokenized yeah. basis trade, right?
0: I'll get a synthetic dollar to be clear. Yeah, we we're so angry at the
1: stablecoin I asked him about that. Synthetic. Yeah, dollar. and a, and this this seems like semantics but it's actually not, right? Stablecoin has a specific connotation and we talked about this a lot when it came to last cycle like that algorithmic stablecoins probably shouldn't be called the same thing. As the one-to-one backed reserved. It's, you know, it's if we understood that there were different types of instruments with different risk profiles, we wouldn't have had perhaps the same amount of trouble. Although I think Luna was always going to, to, to implode at some point. There are real risks here. Anytime you have the appeal of big yield matched on the other side by significant risk, no matter how much you try to uh, caveat and and you know condition. There's always going to be, um, you know, so, some some challenge. I think that the response to this, the way that the team is handling it, uh, shows that this cycle is different than last cycle. There's instantly more skepticism. There's instantly more deep analysis of what's going on here, and I think that that's a positive indicator of where we've come. Completely outside of of anything sort of specific to Athena itself.
0: I seem to have lost my camera angle for the moment, but uh, I'm hoping you can still hear me talking. We're having a lot of glitches today. As you can see, uh, as you said, there's been a lot of skepticism, obvious reasons. A lot of them even are just counterparty risk, right? If they're going to have to be shorting ETH on a centralized exchange, what happens on that exchange? If you have to be staked, what happens if something happens with that that protocol? I asked him these questions and many other, just so people understand I see people making comments shorting ETH at the beginning of a bull market. There's a delta neutral stat strategy. They are buying and staking ETH in the protocol to earn a yield there and then shorting to hedge. So it's they're they're not shorting ETH per se as these articles would imply. It's part of the strategy, but that cash and carry trade has been largely and hugely problematic in the past. I mean that was to some degree, what was happening with GBTC when people were taking advantage of the premium, uh, and when it quickly went to a discount, that's when we saw 3AC and BlockFi at all collapsing, hugely problematic. But they do make the argument this is different. They're disclosing the risks. There are tremendous risks, and people should be aware of that. It will only be DeFi natives who understand what they're doing that will try this. But to your point, when you say twenty-seven percent, a lot of unsophisticated people are probably going to rush in. We can leave the we can leave the judgment as to whether that's Fault of the company or the protocol or not for allowing it, or that's up to the individual. But there is some risk.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen. One of the things that was uh, was always interesting to me is that part of why DeFi, despite you know hacks and vulnerabilities and you know all these sort of things, was never really that problematic, is that the barrier to entry was so high that it was only like hyper-enfranchised people who were taking on the risk. Like it actually was sort of risk-mediated and, and people knew what they were getting into. The problem with Luna is that people got exposure simply by holding this Luna asset, right? It didn't take them actually, you know, being... Uh, involved with the DeFi side of things to be exposed to DeFi risk. And that's what ended up washing out so many regular people. So, you know, as we look at DeFi this cycle, I think one thing that I would keep an eye on is the extent to which there really are those barriers to entry that are keeping it just for DeFi degens and DeFi natives versus some mechanism that gets it out into the broader public, which could create kind of a, a, a challenge.
0: Yeah, totally agree. As you can see now, my head is stretched. We're doing really good over here, but uh, trying to get the camera going right. Uh, I think that this is going to be one of those interesting experiments uh, that is TBD. Uh, and I think that it's great news that there's so many alerts flying and people are looking at it so that people will actually dig in before they use it. Hopefully it just doesn't grow as fast as Luna did, which was really the problem, right? That yep. Luna became a, instead of a, a cool one billion dollar experiment, it became a twenty or thirty billion dollar market cap monster that was just that offered systemic risk to the entire market. Just so you guys know, the biggest centralized exchanges in the world invested in this long ago. So this is the only protocol like this where you've had, with OKX and Binance, a number of them have invested. Dragonfly Capital, Hasid Qureshi, who have had on here, who I. Is, they think is one of the most respected and intelligent VCs in the game behind it. And Arthur Hayes, all of this is based on an article written by Arthur Hayes on his blog a year ago about creating a coin like this. I asked Guy about it and he said, listen, I read Arthur's article. I reached out to Arthur. So Arthur is kind of the main consultant on this. It's really interesting. It could be really successful, but damn, it is uh, a bit scary to see this happening.
1: The, the the last thing I'll say is that um, this, I think, indicates it, it has another power of indicating where we are in the cycle. If you kind of look at some of the patterns one of the things that happened last time is you have sort of this bitcoin narrative lead right institutional bitcoin narrative lead followed by something new for the for the degen sort of natives 2020 that was defi summer right and you got sort of that explosion and that flowering and i think in some ways you could argue that defi summer even was the was the real ca- kickoff of last bull market, it was just sort of like slightly underwhelmed in the news because we had sailor buying in August and September, and then, you know, Elon followed. And so Bitcoin kind of continued to lead the narrative. But DeFi was what the internal crypto people are doing. This is the first thing that I've seen that's a new kind of uh, explosion of what the crypto people are doing since we've had the sort of, you know, big, big pop and in interest in Bitcoin. So it, I think we're clearly getting deeper and deeper into this bull cycle based on based on that history.
0: Yeah. Obviously, that makes means we need to talk about Ethereum and Ethereum price action been somewhat outperforming Bitcoin as of late. Many saying that Ethereum's fundamentals look better. You might guys might not realize, but since the merge, Ethereum has actually been deflationary. Bitcoin reduces its inflation. So it's at 1.4, 1.7%, whatever it is now. ETH has actually been deflationary. There's been more Ethereum uh, burned than there has been it. So a lot of people pointing at that as a reason that Ethereum is doing quite well. We have Ethereum obviously hitting 3,000 for the first time in nearly two years. Some saying that that's because of uh, the Ethereum ETF hype. Others saying it's because of the Denkun upgrade that's coming. Uh, we, we could talk about this. What do you think uh, is driving this interest in Ethereum at the moment?
1: Uh, <clears throat> Occam's Razor answer is that it's the next thing to be excited about now that Bitcoin's Sort of locked in in this institutional bid narrative. I mean, I think it's probably a lot of things. It is uh, <clears throat> one of the things that has sort of seemed kind of obvious to me when you think about this new buyer set who's kind of coming in through the ETF world. Is that if Bitcoin represents, you know, the uh, the the sort of sound money, uh, you know, safe kind of side of of the crypto equation, Ethereum becomes a proxy for all the interesting stuff that you can do on crypto, right? And so if you're someone who is just interested in the sort of hedge exposure in your portfolio and, you know, sort of says at this point, look, crypto has been around for 15 years. It keeps not dying when everyone thinks it's dying. I'd like some exposure to that. Bitcoin and Ethereum alone represent, you know, kind of two big parts of, two big sides of the market, the safe haven asset side and the all the weird stuff side. And so I think that to some extent, It's just people starting to position for what feels like an inevitable uh, Ethereum uh, spot ETF, even if it gets denied this next time around. Um, And then, you know, when people start digging in, obviously there's all these things going on. And so if you sort of come in the door of, well, it's obviously the next thing, there's a lot to be excited about too. So I I don't think it's particularly complicated. I think it's sort of just, you know, following on as it does uh, and, you know, for, for completely rational reasons.
0: Yeah. And we saw it the second that the Bitcoin spot ETF got approved. And and in fact, we saw it the second that the fake news of the Bitcoin spot ETF approved was released (laughs) by the SEC, the money immediately flowed into Ethereum. So the next best thing argument is so obvious. Yep.
1: Sometimes it's not complicated.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so I guess we don't need to complicate it. But man, there are a lot of takes as to why it's happening. And, and kind of finally here, we've got a a series of stories. But we'll talk about Coinbase drops native Bitcoin payments for merchants platform. This an eye opener for a lot of people. But effectively, just saying, man, we can't uh, be fast and cheap on a layer one.
1: Yeah, I, you know they they it's a it's a de minimis part of their platform currently. And it seems like this is as simple as. A business decision to that the that the cost of supporting this totally different type of ecosystem wasn't worth, you know, the, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, basically. Um, and you know, they they knew that it would provoke a response. Brian Armstrong commented on it uh directly. But you know, the the as some question, you know, the Bitcoiners are, are obviously going to be sort of upset about everything. Uh, and I think on on the one hand, that's sort of just a, a conditioned behavior. On the other hand, it's it's reasonable, right? Like if you want Bitcoin to be able to be all the things that Bitcoin can be in the future, it's totally reasonable to, you know, shout when there's less rather than more access to it. Um, but ultimately, you know, I don't think that most Bitcoiners think that this sort of, you know, the payments are going to be on, on the base layer, nor do I think most Bitcoiners really think that, uh, you know, merchant payment through Coinbase is is, is a hugely important thing, at, at least at this stage. But it's always disappointing to see again less rather than more access as as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I agree. We had Laura Lauren Dowling, who is the product lead for Coinbase Commerce, here explaining why it happened. Now we have to get into why we have this title as we're sort of talking about these things. This was honorable mention too, but Pantera Capital reveals 500 billion dollar opportunity for Bitcoin, and this definitely speaks to that Ethereum verse. Bitcoin direct competition that we're starting to actually have now because this is about DeFi on Bitcoin. We know that the bulk of the TVL for DeFi has always been on Ethereum, remains there no matter how hyped Solana and other protocols get. But basically saying that we are seeing a tipping point now with things being built on Bitcoin and as it, as the strongest base layer, we could really see a massive sort of Cambrian explosion here of building and, and of a monetary opportunity directly on Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. So <laughs> this is. I mean, listen. I- I'm glad that this conversation is happening. I think it's reflective of larger shifts that are ha- that 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 are absolutely true. Uh, Franklin, the the author of this piece from within Pantera, kind of calls out that there's this flowering of a Bitcoin builder ecosystem, which is absolutely true. Uh, that there's been more excitement around ordinals and BRC20s. Absolutely true. I think that the 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 leap from that sort of excited interest to this is this huge market that's going to ultimately have the same percentage of Bitcoin's market cap uh, from DeFi as Ethereum's is a little loose. But I think that if you're trying to understand the the sort of really relevant part of this, it's it's absolutely just that this is now going into this cycle, a part of Bitcoin's conversation, whereas it never was in the past. So you kind of hold aside the specifics of the numbers, which are necessary for getting our attention. I mean, look, it worked. We're talking about it. Uh, then the, 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 the thing that I think is, is, is definitely true is just how much more rich this sort of builder ecosystem is around Bitcoin. How many people are thinking about, talking about, and trying to act upon DeFi on Bitcoin, whatever that is ultimately going to mean.
0: And one last really quick honorable mention, we had the fact that Jack Dorsey and Square made a ton of money selling Bitcoin. Okay, cool. Reddit discloses Bitcoin and Ether Holdings and IPO filing, converting their treasury into crypto. We should be here for this, right? Right.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it, they they so minimized it though. It's I mean they they are really trying to make this not a story. I think, uh, and it seems like not that much of a story. But it is interesting, like how little this this captured people's attention. We are very clearly uh, not super convinced, or or uh, or you know captivated by the the treasury narrative in the same way that we were before. If you if you would plop this story down in early 2021, it would have been the continuance of a massive trend, but at this point it's sort of just like eh, whatever.
0: I mean, that's it. We covered everything. I have to say because I'm reading the comments and it's just cracking me up that people can't believe I would talk about Donald Trump favorably. Guys, we cover the news. If Donald Trump says something, We're going to give you the take on what it means. It doesn't mean I'm voting for him or Biden or anyone else. I hate politics so much. It actually hurts, but I do love John Deed. I do love John Deed, so I'm going to push for him. But it's our job to cover the news and to tell you what it means when a presidential candidate has a comment on Bitcoin, especially in the context of him having been so anti-crypto and so anti-Bitcoin in the past. That was my little uh, caveat for the end there, NLW. Actually, I'm going to be away next week. I won't be here on Friday. So we'll be back uh, in two weeks for this one, guys. Next week's going to be – I'm going to be uh, spotty on showing up for YouTube. The newsletter will be happening. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. appreciate it. Nathaniel, have a great day, man.
1: Later. Later.